Good morning. Man, that worship is phenomenal. <laughs> I was just standing there. You know, God, we get the most incredible opportunity in that place to stand face to face with God. That when we, when we, when we come to this place, when we come, not, not just to this building on Sunday morning, but when we come to a place where we actually want to stand and worship the Father, when we sing about Jesus, when we, when we, and I know I harp on about this, but the evidence of what we just saw just now, that thick, tangible love that you feel wrap around your body is where we get to go when we stand face to face with God. You know, when, when John went up into heaven and he saw Jesus, he fell on his face in the presence of God. But we also see a picture of John when he was on, when he was on earth where he, he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. We see two phenomenal pictures of, of the power of God, but also this incredible, tangible love of the Father through Jesus. And when we come to that place of worship, when we make it all about Jesus, in the most incredible way, He makes it all about us. We've been pushing for this thing in worship and, and, and fighting for this focus that we, we preached about when we first planted this church as the one of our one of our mission statements, one of the things that we want to actually bring in was to focus on Christ. And you know, in doing that, we see Him pour out on us. That the response of the Father is what fills us up and what allows us to move forward and, and operate in this place, in this city, in this, in this nation, and, and in the nations. But for so long, the church, I think, has been pushing for, for something to come and they've been looking at themselves, but that's not where we set our eyes. When we can actually focus on God and say, God, I'm making everything I have about you. you know, it's, it, it's so fascinating that that music that we just played, that, that worship that we just gave to God, isn't the most phenomenal instrumentally. There's plenty of better musicians out there. There's plenty of better drummers and guitar players and singers. But God is so pleased with what we do that he allows that, that essence to fill the throne room. Revelation says that the praise and the worship of his people is what fills the throne room. So when you're standing there trying to reach that note that seems somewhat impossible and you're singing and your voice cracks, God says, I want that in my throne room. I want that sound to fill this place. That the angels are standing there singing with the most incredible vocals, the most incredible instruments and harps and sound, and yet he still says, I, I can't leave out the sound of my people. I can't leave out their worship, their praise. That when you wake up in the morning and you and you pray, God, I thank you for this day. He's saying, I want that in my throne room. I want to hear that sound while I'm sitting on the throne. With all the incredible sounds of heaven, with all the amazing noises that they hear, God says, I want that essence to fill my throne room. When we come to a place of understanding, truly understanding that, church, that when we, when we understand that God wants to hear your praises, he wants to hear your prayers. He wants to, to be able to commune and, and communicate with you because He so loves us that much. I love that Revelation. We've read it quite a few times. I love that Revelation draws a picture of the throne room and paints what it looks like. And then it says, and I want to put my people's sound in there. 
That's phenomenal. Guys, when we, when we really understand that and we come to worship with that, that God, I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what noise I make. I don't care whether I clap or cheer or quietly whisper the song. My praise, God, to you is what you want to hear. Nothing to do with my sermon, but let's just pray. Father, we just thank you, God. Yahweh, our creator, our beginning and our end. Everything that we have, everything that we know, God, Almighty Father, we just love you. We honor you and we worship you this morning, God. With the little that we have, we bring it before you and we offer it at your feet. God, we just love you. I thank you so much, Father, that you will still come and meet us where we're at. Regardless of who we are, regardless of what we carry, regardless of where we've been or what we've done, Father, you will still come and meet us where we're at. Lord, that sometimes we find ourselves out in the wilderness and having to run back that path into your arms. And sometimes we find ourselves lost in your house. But you will come you will come to both of us if we just ask it. And God, I thank you for your faithfulness in that. Holy Spirit, won't you come and just speak this morning? Whatever you have to say, I just ask that you get me out of the way to say it. Come and touch our hearts this morning, Father. Give us something that we can use and implement into our lives to see more people get to know you. To see more people who know you, know you more. We just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Alright, if you have a Bible, go back, go back to Galatians. We're going back in there. Maybe one more time, maybe twice more times. But definitely today. Galatians verse 5. Down the bottom. To 16, we're going to start there. Okay, for those of you who haven't been here the last few weeks or who missed a few things, we've been going through Galatians, been going through Paul's writing to the church in Galatia. What what Paul helped establish in, in, in Galatia was a church. And that church became very um, disorientated and lost within the law that, that the Jewish um, Pharisees and, and scribes brought into the place. So I've been going through and explaining about the difference between the law and the spirit. And I want to spend a bit of time today explaining what Paul talks about as to how to actually live in that spirit. As Christians, we use a lot of Christianese and we say a lot of things that when you get down to the crux of it, you maybe don't really understand what that means. You know, we say stuff, and Jess and I were having a conversation a few, uh, quite a while back about jargon and one of the things that she's doing at work about not using specific jargon on, in your field that doesn't make any sense. And I think as Christians, sometimes we get a bit lost in, in the words that we use and, we, and we, we, we don't actually stop to break it down. So I think what Paul does in, in this letter to the Galatians is that he simply shows them their error. He shows them that they went from being a, a grace-led church that he established and was built on the foundation of God's grace and they brought back in a law. 
So we've been talking about how to come out of that, how to break away from the law and how to live in the Spirit. So I want to speak today about practically what that means. And the first, the first verse I'm going to start at is verse 16. And I, I love this, Galatians 5 verse 16. I love the start of this verse because it says something that, that I definitely overread and I think we tend to overread. So it says here, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say you ought not, you should not, please don't. If you can manage it, it says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the, the, the gratifying, the gratifying the desires of the flesh is not the part we should focus on. The part that we should actually be focusing on is the first part. Walk by the Spirit. So when we look inwardly, okay, God, how, how do I change my life to actually be walking in alignment with you? We tend to go through the list of things that we're doing wrong and try to address those things. We heard Brad talk about addressing a symptom, not actually, not actually going to the root of the cause and addressing that so that you don't have the symptoms anymore. What we tend to do is look at ourselves and the things we're doing wrong, but that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, if you get this one thing right, walk by the Spirit. You will no longer gratify the desires of the flesh. So when we actually understand, okay, I, I want to, I want to better my life. I want to, God, I, I want to walk in right desire with you. Please show me how to walk by your spirit, and not just as a general rule in every area that we walk in. God, show me how to walk by your spirit in my finances, in my relationships, in my marriages. When we start to to address that root cause. And not look at the problem and go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking too much or I'm, I'm watching the wrong things. I'm going to try and not watch the wrong things. No, you're, you're always going to fumble on that. That's the law. That's what the, that's what the Pharisees and the scribes are doing. That's what Paul's saying don't do. He's saying go back to that thing and go, okay, I'm drinking too much. Am I walking with the Spirit when I, when, when I'm in that place? If not, how can I be walking the Spirit in that place? I'm angry at my friends or I'm, I'm acting in anger all the time. Well, don't try and not be angry. Go to God and say, God, how can I walk by your spirit in my in the way that I, I speak to people? Because that's what Paul's saying. Come into alignment with the spirit, walk with him, and you will no longer gratify that desire. Going on to, to 17 and 18. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. The things are polar opposites. When you're living in one, you're not living in the other because it's a polar opposite. When you're choosing to live in the desires of the flesh, you're not living in the desires of the Spirit. It really is that simple when we, when we come down to it. I'm not saying it's easy to do in our life when we apply it, but the understanding of it is really that simple. It's one or the other. It's not a little bit of some or a little bit of the other. It's Paul's writing here that the two things are polar opposites. They're separate. So we either live by one or we live by the other. And I actually think, and I, and I know I've said this before, but I just want to reiterate it, is that I actually think that what Paul writes in this isn't a... 
a it, it is moving into it in wholeness, but there's parts of our body that we that we sorry parts of of who we are, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions that we leave out areas of our life that we won't bring over, that we refuse to. That friend that you're hanging out with, that thing that you keep doing, that place that you keep going, those are the places where we go. Well, half of me I've decided to live in the spirit, but the other half I'm living out in the in the desires of the flesh. I was chatting with dames earlier in the week. We had a leaders breakfast here that was phenomenal. There was about 30 church leaders here having breakfast and it was it was really good, really awesome to see guys communing with one another. And dames and I were talking afterwards and, it, and we were talking, I don't remember what we were talking about, but we, dames are trying to work out what story we're, what story I'm going to tell now. But we were talking about, we were talking about, um, how to, how to come in alignment with God. And we were talking about, uh, I wasn't talking to him, I wasn't counseling dames, we were just discussing the things of God. And I said, I said to him, you know, those areas of the life, when you look at your life and you go, I can't work out why this thing's broken, it really is because you're not listening to God in that area. It really is an understanding of that thing is not in alignment with God. So we're talking about discussing doctrines, and I, and I said, but when you ask somebody, how's that working out for you? What's the fruit of that thing? Oh, it's awful. And nothing's good coming of it. Then you're probably not aligning yourself in that area with the Spirit of God. You actually haven't brought that self. And that sounds harsh, but when we, when we look at it, that's what Paul's saying to the Galatians. He's saying to them, the things of the, the things of the, the flesh that you are operating in is opposite to the Spirit. Therefore, the Spirit is not operating in that place of your life. For them, he was talking about the church. He was talking about the people that, that commune together. I find it interesting in the second part here that he says, he continues on and he says, um, for these things are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So I want to explain something really quickly. I wasn't going to explain this, so I didn't draw a diagram, so I'm going to try and just word a diagram to you. But we have to understand that as as Christians, as people, we are we're a, a person made up of three parts. A mind, sorry, a spirit, soul, and body. Right, so our spirit man, our spirit is what dies with Christ and raises again with Christ, is placed in Christ and hidden in that place. That's how I and you and you and me, that's that's what, what is saying there is that your spirit man, the spirit of you is in God. But it also leaves two other areas that we have, which is our, our body, which is our flesh suit, the thing that we're here on earth with, the thing that gets sick, the thing that, that we have we need to eat for and drink with, that's our body. And the other thing that we have is our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. All right, so when we're talking through these things, we go, yeah, but I was saved, therefore there is no more sin. Yes, your spirit man is made righteous. No more sin left in the spirit man. Sin, gone. But our soul is what Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's the part we still have to continue to transform. So when we are, are living our day-to-day life, trying to align ourselves with God, we have to understand it's not our spirit we're trying to align with God. That's done, dusted, sorted, made whole, fully righteous in God. But it's our mind now, our, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, that we are trying to align with God. So when it says here, not do the things that you want to do, that's because your mind hasn't been made new. So the, the bad things or the naughty things that your body wants to do <laughs> um, 
the <laughs> everyone's mind just went all different places. The things that you want to do, the reason you still want to do those is because we haven't renewed our mind. So this Christian walk, this thing that we do every day where we wake up, we read our scriptures, we want to know more about you, God, is bringing our, our mind, will and emotions, our soul in alignment with God. So Paul's saying, of course you still want to do them because you're outworking that thing. It says that Jesus was tempted when he went out into the wilderness. But he didn't, he didn't forego to those temptations. He didn't give in to those temptations. But he was still tempted. As man, he was tempted. It's not the temptation, but it's when we, it's when we give in to that temptation. But there's also a wisdom in understanding that don't put yourself in a place where that temptation is. Remove yourself from that. If you, if you struggle with drinking, don't go to a pub. If you struggle with, with, um, lust or, or watching pornography or an addiction like that, then don't watch those kinds of movies, bad movies that are going to spark that. Delete the things on your phone that are leading you into that place. Delete the people f- from your life. Remove them for a time so you can understand that's not who I am. Those aren't the circles that I should hang out with because your, your mind, will and your emotions still wants to do those things. But Paul's saying don't give in to those desires. Don't gratify the flesh in that way. Rather, live in the spirit in that place. So it brings it back to us every time it comes back to us as to, to our decision to make. Where am I going to stand in this place? Which, which kingdom am I going to stand in and operate out of? What place am I going to come from in that? Nineteen, twenty, and 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These these types of things, and the interesting thing, I, I like that Paul, I find it funny that Paul lists things out. like They were the things that he was talking to them about in those times. Don't look on there and go, no, my things aren't on there. He hasn't ticked mine off. I'm good to go there. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't put, um, no, my addiction's not on there. I'm good. That's not how it works. That's not what Paul was doing. He was not saying that they're the only things that are not of God. I think that's why he prefaces at the end and says, all things are like. Like he, he says, these are some things, but here's everything. That's because he was talking to he was talking to a people who were wrapped up in, in lust, who were wrapped up in, in idolatry, who were wrapped up in, in worshipping other gods. That's why he lists things like that. We have to understand that we can apply that. But you can't just say, well, well, he doesn't talk about the internet, so that's not context, that's not the context for me. No, he's bringing that in. You know, the most interesting thing is that we know ourselves personally when we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. There's a check, what, what us Christians like to say, there's a check in our spirit. And I think every person has that check. I was reading a, um, I was reading a, a, I'm reading a book by a psychologist and, um, he, he, he was talking about PTSD and how soldiers come back from the war and, and how he helps them walk through post-traumatic stress, 
post-traumatic stress disorder after being in a war. And he said, those who actually committed horrible things at the war struggle much worse than those who just saw things happen. He said the bringing out of somebody from PTSD who's just saw it is a lot easier than somebody who actually tortured somebody or, or killed somebody or, or did something horrible. Now I found that super interesting because it actually goes against who we are, who we were designed to be. It actually goes against the nature that we have. It goes against everything that we do that, that they've actually said that some of the most horrific um, serial killers and things like that, they, they struggle with what they've done even though they enjoyed it to some degree. But they know how horribly wrong it was. So they've done a lot of studies into into why and how bad things like that occur. And, and they say, but it actually brings that person into incredible torment because they're not acting. It's not the way it should be. If you go to anyone, any atheist, and ask them, should you be able to murder somebody, they'll say no. Because it's wrong. They know it's wrong. Internally, there's a something in them that, that they were created to know that that's not the right thing to do. We have this, when we were made in the image and likeness of God, we carry some of what God, He made us in that. There's a right, there's a design that we were made in that we actually operate out of. And when we don't operate out of that, our spirit starts to become uneasy. Because now that's not who I am. Especially born-again Christians. Because when your old man dies and your new man comes out, your spirit doesn't want to be in that place. So we, we can say, I, I didn't know I was doing something wrong. But, but if we were listening to that still, small voice of God, if we were listening to that thing, that's inside us, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We know that we're not in the right place. We know that that movie wasn't the movie we should have watched, or we know that we're in a place. That's the Spirit speaking to you. In today's Christian culture, we, I think, I think we've, we've made understanding the Spirit of God, we've made it too, too big, almost too unattainable. I know it sounds odd because God is a gigantic God, but we've made understanding the Spirit this, this, Thing that only happens every now and again, that when we stand in a nice meeting, and I'm not, I'm not, obviously we just went through this, I'm not saying that's bad, but it's not the only way that God speaks to us. When we stand in that place and, and God's speaking to us, that's phenomenal, but that's not the only way that God speaks. God's speaking to us every day. And it doesn't always sound like, Ben, I've got something for you to do. It doesn't sound like that. It just, it can sound like that, but it doesn't always. When I, when I got offered to go back and do my honours degree, and I was I was all but there. I, I had started my thesis paper. I had I had a, um, a, a lecturer that was going to work with me, and we were starting to discuss what was going to happen. And I went home one day, and I just felt God say no. He didn't yell it at me. He didn't. He there was no flash of lightning. There was no sign. There wasn't even really a tangible word. There was no Bible verse. I just went home, and I just felt. I can't do this. This is not where God wants me. And I went back the next day and I cancelled my honours. I, I, I spoke to the, to my lecturer, I think I've told the story before, but I spoke to my lecturer who was supposed to walk me through it and he couldn't understand because he knew that I didn't get there very easily. He actually told me I wouldn't make it, but showed him. But when I got there and I, and I, and I said no, there was no specific big thing. I just knew in my spirit. I just, and I can't explain it. Any other better than that. But you all have that. We all have that. When you when you are going, driving to work and, and you feel, oh, I might ring that friend I haven't spoken to in a little while. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. 
And you call them, and most times you call them, and they go, I really needed help. I'm so glad you called me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. That's God communing with you. That's the creator of the heavens, Yahweh, speaking to you right where you're at. You know, when I, when I get a word for somebody, which doesn't happen very often, but it does happen from time to time, I don't, if I don't understand the word, I don't really care because I'm so excited that God spoke to me. It's even better when they go, that's exactly right. And I go, oh, God just, in a meeting, God just spoke to me. I don't, I don't know whether it, if the word, I just felt like God said pineapple. Oh my goodness, I needed to hear that. That to me just says, God just spoke to me. Doesn't mean anything. It does have nothing to do with me. I don't know what the pineapple means, but God just spoke to me. The creator of the heavens and the earth, Yahweh God, just came in my, in my space and spoke to me. When you're, when you're driving, I don't know why driving, but when you're, whatever you're doing, when, when you hear God say, call that person, that's God speaking to you. That should be an exciting, oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, God? You just spoke to me. You just communed with me. It doesn't have to be this big. It can be, but it doesn't have to be this big ordeal that that happens. I don't know. We won't go there. Let's go back to the text. Sorry, I nearly got lost there. As I warned you, I warn you, I warn you, as I warned you before, the second time I need to tell you this, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. I don't believe, Ben speaking, I don't believe Paul in this moment is talking about salvation. The rest of the letter is not talking, he's not talking about salvation here. He's not saying that if you do these things, you will not be saved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you will not inherit the kingdom. What is, what is the, the, the prayer that Jesus taught to, to the disciples? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, thy kingdom come now. God, bring the kingdom. Let me see the kingdom manifest. When we, when we come together, when we're praying for people, we want to see the kingdom of God made manifest, made real, made known, tangible, can hold it. We want to see the kingdom of God here. That's what Paul's talking about. If you're crying out for breakthrough in your life, if you're crying out for, God, I want to see you in this thing. I want to see you come through in my finances. Then what Paul is saying to them is, you're not operating out of my kingdom. So the kingdom's not going to be made manifest. You're not, you're actually operating from a kingdom of darkness. Therefore, you're sowing into and reaping darkness. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying to us, you want to see my kingdom? Then live by my kingdom. Operate out of the place that I've given to you, and you will see the things that I have for you. You will not inherit the kingdom. I, I truly believe that he's talking about that in a, in a here and now sense, because the rest of the letter is written like that. If you want to see, if, if you want to see the kingdom of God operate in your life, then walk by the Spirit. Ask God, God, how can I get to know you in this? How can I get to see your kingdom in this? How can I inherit your kingdom right now in this? And the kingdom of God is it is the, the glory and the power coming, but it is also financial um, I don't want to use the word, but I will, financial prosperity. It is health prosperity. It is 
it is wholeness in our body. There's things where we can start to align ourselves where we can actually operate in the kingdom of God. Let me preface that by also saying this, though. We understand the kingdom of God, and we've spoken from this pulpit a lot, but I want to reinforce it again, is that the kingdom is now, but we also see in the scriptures that the kingdom is not yet. There's a, there is a, a searching out and a seeking out that as believers we get to do. It's made for kings to seek out. That, it's a, that God hides the matter and it's our joy and excitement to seek the thing out. There's things that we do not understand because the kingdom is not yet, but there's incredible things that we understand because the kingdom is now. So if you're, if you're standing in something, and I, I strongly disagree in, in the fact where we say the reason something's not happening is because you aren't locked into God. Sometimes, no, we just don't understand. I've seen some, some incredible healings in God. Incredible. I saw a little, a little girl, orphan girl, without an eardrum. Not she lost her eardrum. She was born without an eardrum. And in the meeting, God burst her a new eardrum. I've never seen excitement and joy on a little kid's face like that day. I've seen eyes open, incredible things. I, and, and yet I've also seen it not happen with incredible people of God with incredible, in, incredible ministries and, and it just doesn't happen. And I, I remember, I remember a, a friend of mine died and, I, and I, I cried out to God, I don't understand this, I don't get it. And I, I still don't. But I know God heals because I've seen it. And I know God will bring financial prosperity because I've seen it. And I know God will bring wholeness to families because I've seen it. Everything that we do in this Christian life is trying to understand God more, trying to know Him more, seeking out His heart, seeking out what it is He's doing, understanding how to, to walk by the Spirit more. That's what Paul is saying to the Galatians. Oh, you foolish Galatians, you've done the complete opposite of what I told you to. I told you to, to look at the, the heart of the Father. I told you to focus on God, to operate in the grace that He had, and you, you refuse to do that. That's what He's saying to us now too. That when you when you're looking into your life and going, okay, God, how do I do this better? How do I how do I know you more? Then we go and say, Holy Spirit, show me how to walk with you better. I I, I struggle sometimes to to get into a place of prayer or even to get into a place to to read the scriptures, and I, I stand there and I say, God, why why haven't why don't I have this desire? Why isn't it getting more and more and more? Because my I need to constantly be re renewing my mind. And when I stop doing that, I start to get confused. Like I said last week about the when you lose focus, the gorilla can come in. And you don't see the gorilla. Sorry, for those of you who don't get that, you can go back and have a listen to my... I'm not going to re-explain it because it's a long explanation. Galatians 22, 23, I'm nearly finished. But the fruit of the Spirit... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, no law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you're not seeing these things in your life, 
in areas of your life. Ask God, why? Why aren't I seeing patience? Why aren't I seeing kindness? Because these are the things of His Spirit. When His Spirit, when the kingdom comes of God, it fills the room with these things. I've been in, I've been in meetings where, where stuff was happening and I've never felt more uneasy in all my life. Wild stuff's happening and things are happening and my, my stomach is like, this is, there's something wrong. And I've also been in meetings where, where God's moving, there's people yelling and screaming, a, a, a guy got f- thrown back uh, 30, 40 meters and crashed through all the chairs. And I'm like, man, this is so peaceful. This is so phenomenal. It sounds so weird, it makes no sense, but that's God. Your spirit man is in Christ. Your spirit man is rooted in the protection of who he is. When you're feeling something wrong in your spirit, that's probably God saying something to you. Now, don't roll up and say, I'm feeling it. This is all wrong. But for you, you can start to realize, okay, God, show me yourself there. Show me where you are. Show me. And in some of those meetings where I've felt uneasy, I've just started praying, God, come. Come and be in this place because something's wrong. I'll tell a story that, um, just quickly, when I, because I know he'd be okay if I told this story, but when, when we were in the hospital with Farah, uh, Brad's wife, while Farah, um, was passing, you know, there was a, we were in the, in the, the, the cancer ward at the hospital, and I hate hospitals, I don't think anyone really likes hospitals, but I was walking through the, the halls to get to the room, and I'd never felt more darkness in my life. I was so heavy with this, this thickness. It was so sad. I, I wanted to just hug people. I, I didn't, I was walking in. It was awful. When I walked into the room, we were worshiping. There, were, there was some worship music on and there was four of us in there. When I walked into the room, all that went, it was peaceful. Incredibly peaceful. Like, like I've never felt peaceful. And I, um, I had to go outside to call my mum because I was supposed to be going to, going to my hometown and I had to call her to tell her I wasn't going to come because we didn't expect this to happen and yada yada. And I stepped out into the hallway and I wasn't crying in, in there. We were just worshipping and it was just, it was amazing. I stepped out into the hallway and instantly burst into tears. And I, I was, I was sitting out there and, and Clint, one of the guys that was there as well, came out and he just looked at me and said, bro, can you feel that? And I said, yeah. I need to go back inside. And we went back inside to the room and it was gone. It was this incredible peace of God because the kingdom of God had invaded the room. The kingdom of God was present when she passed into heaven. The kingdom of God was so thick in that place that I wanted to run through the halls to get out of the hospital when we, when we left. When we operate and stand in the kingdom of God, we know the kingdom's there because of the signs that we see. Righteousness, peace, joy. If those things aren't there, if you don't feel, feel joy, and I'm not talking about happiness, I'm talking about joy, that deep-seated joy. If you don't feel joy in your job, you need to look at it. If you don't feel joy in a relationship, you need to look at it and ask God, God, I need your kingdom back. If you don't feel joy in your marriage, you need to ask God, God, please bring your kingdom into my marriage. Bring that peace. Bring that comfort. In every area of our life, if we're not seeing Righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom of God. God's not there. And we need to work out why He's not there in that. And ask God to come. He will come. 
like, we, like I read last weekend, um, last, whenever I read it, that if you ask, if you ask, He will not give you a rock or a scorpion. He will give you the Spirit that you've asked for. He will give you the Spirit of the Holy Spirit. So He'll give you the Holy Spirit. And those, uh, uh, 5.24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm not going to ask who who has been saved or hasn't been saved, but when you've been saved and baptized, your spirit man died and the desires died with it. Now we just have to renew our mind. You no longer... I was going to go into Romans, but I won't. You no longer have the condemnation of sin because it died when you entered Christ. So now we get to live from the place of the kingdom of God, always renewing our mind, chasing the things that he has for us. The last verse, 5, verse 25, verse 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Conceited means to be excessively proud of oneself. I found that so interesting. Paul ends this part of the letter. It's not the end of the letter because he goes on in 6. But he ends this part of the letter by showing us who the Spirit is. But then he says, he says to us, keep in step with the Spirit. Do not become excessively proud of oneself. Do not become provoking to one another. And do not become envying of one another. Don't look at yourself more higher than those around you. Don't provoke one another. And don't envy one another. So he was actually he was challenging the bickering that we still see in the church today. Don't look at the person next to you and see where they're trying to align themselves with God. That's not your place. That's their place. Look at yourself and align yourself with God. And if someone says to you, hey brother, I'm struggling with this thing, that's the place for you to help, not to beat them with a stick. That's the place to say, hey I, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked me. I've, I've been through this thing. I just, I just got through this. Let me show you what I have. We only look at, at our neighbor's bowl to see if they have enough. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'll leave it there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Has everyone got something they can chew on? Good. Guys, I challenge you, I challenge you, before I pray, I challenge you to, to take this thing and chew on it. Another Christianese word. Go home and read it. Write it out with a pad and pen. Draw circles on a whiteboard. Um, jog and listen to it. Whatever you have to do. Read this thing until you get what Paul's saying. Again and again and again. Paul, what are you, what are you trying to say, God? What are you showing me through this? What are the areas of my life where I'm not seeing your kingdom? What are the areas where I'm not, I'm not seeing your wholeness? Where are the areas, Father? Come and show me this thing. Am I being, am I being, um, jealous? Am I being excessively proud of myself? What am I holding on to? God, come and show me. Not, not so that you can, so that, rather, so that you can understand his kingdom and see that kingdom manifest in your life. Because that's what we want to do. When we learn how to do that in our own lives, it's so easy to give it to others. It's so easy to do that second part of the great commandment of loving God than loving somebody else. We know that he's done it for us. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just pray that anything that I said this morning that wasn't of you, just make it fall away.
have it fall on, on, on no ears, God, but the things that you wanted to say, Father, the things that, that you wanted to build into this community, into your people, Father, I, pl- I pray that you just set those things on fire. That little spark, God, that can just be fanned into a, a wild, outrageous flame. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Not just in these four walls, God, in our lives, in our homes, in this city, in our parliament, in this nation, in the world, Father. We want to see your kingdom. We want to, we want to know your kingdom. We want to feel the, the elements, the peace, the righteousness, the joy of your kingdom. Why don't you just come, Lord? Just come and make your kingdom known in this place. Just thank you for everything you've done, for everything you are doing and will do, Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.